0: We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey guys, I'm so glad to talk to you again this midweek or whenever you're listening. Today, we are so thankful and excited that we get to talk to Megan Malone of Trudy Psychometrics. We are so thankful to be able to engage with Trudy again. You guys know them as doing such large, vast amounts of research across Enneagram, we couldn't be more thankful for the eighty-eight thousand-person study they did on couples, and we got to talk about that on this podcast in the past. So make sure you listen for our Trudy episodes of the past with Molly Owen, CEO. But today we get to talk to Megan, who really does walk us through not only some interesting research about Enneagram and income, but also some of the other tests and content creation she's been working on for Trudy. So we are in for such a treat as we really engage with Megan and. She has to offer, and we get to talk and hack a little bit out about her typology as well, which I think some of you will really relate to because she didn't know her original type at first. So, we're going to do that in just a minute, but I want to invite you, even in the show notes, to grab the truity test and to take or retake it again, just because it's so helpful for you to really look at what other areas and what types are high for you right now. Because you might be listening to today's episode and say, Oh, I'm not high at all in this income bracket. with." the types who usually make more or less. And then you might find, oh, I have some of that. Uh, And you'll hear us talk through some of this as well. But I just want to encourage you that Enneagram work is about expansion. It's about refinement of who you are and your best gifts and also knowing where you're problematic sometimes, but it's also about learning from other types and trying to put those on in healthy ways too. So this gives us a chance to do that as we talk out what types make the most for their families, what types are maybe feeling like quality of life is more important than income and we're not making any full value judgments about them or you, just noticing trends just as Trudy has done with other personality inventories as well. We've seen some of this with Myers-Briggs, Disc, Big Five, and now we get to bring Enneagram in. So I'm excited to do that with you guys. Also, really quick before we get on, I hope you got a chance to uh, look at our Barbie article about just how uh, the Barbie movie can teach us about how to walk through the existential crisis that often happens in uh, life together as a culture. And also that's on our blog over at EnneagramAndMarriage.com. And then be on the lookout for our Marriage Membership Collective to be starting. We're starting very soon, and I'm really excited. We only get to open this a couple times a year because we are busy serving our clients and our collective already, but now we're going to be opening those doors again so that you could truly immerse in the work with community. We love to do that on a close level, and thank you so much if you took part in our survey or if you choose to take part in our survey because we're so looking to know how we can serve you best, and I've already been seeing you guys want group coaching, you guys like to have exclusive PDFs, and so much more. So we'll try to make sure we add in what we can and tweak what we we need to do as well. So thank you for that, and thank you for all your support here. Let's make sure you're also, though, like I said, taking a look at the Truity test to see about where you're at and where you're headed towards, as well as kind of noticing where you think your spouse is at too. So okay, let's talk to Megan here. Megan, I'm so happy to have you on the Enneagram and Marriage Pod. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Oh, we're so happy to have you. We were just chatting about our dogs before, and my dog is being mischievous behind me with the curtains. But if you're watching (laughs) along on YouTube, Megan's dogs are right outside too, right?
1: Right outside the door, yeah. <laughs> you won't hear um, You might. I don't know. We'll see.
0: <laughs> yes, yes. Ever since COVID, we all understand all the dog yeah. stuff with Zoom. So, right. tell us about yourself and a little bit about your
1: Enneagram type as we get to know you better. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I'm a professional career coach. Um, I've been doing that for about two years now. Um, I have an ambassador's in organizational development and leadership. And so my coaching is really focused on career leadership. Um, I coach a lot of uh, younger people moving into leadership roles for the first time. It's kind of an area that I focus on. Um, I've also been working with Truity for about three years now. So I am their uh, content strategist, and then I'm also a personality researcher. So I get to kind of dig into the data um, on a lot of the research that we do and then present that uh, kind of to our. our followers and our readers and stuff over at Truity. And so that's a lot of fun for me too. So that's a little bit about me. Um, I'm an Enneagram 2, like I mentioned earlier. So Mm. that's something that was kind of a newer revelation for me. I used to identify as a 9. And then through talking with a lot of practitioners in the Enneagram and reading more about it, I realized that I'm actually a self-preservation 2, which Mm. is the counter type of the 2. And has a, some overlapping traits with nine. And so that's why I had mistyped at that point in my life. And now I'm getting comfortable with the idea that I'm actually a two, which I yeah. did not think was at all possible, like two years ago. So
0: <laughs> it's yeah, been an journey. You know, you really make a great point for those listening that sometimes you can mistype and sit with a type for years or maybe have traits high in both types like you. And I love that you spent time learning because you're like, if I dig a little bit, I'm going to get some nuance for who I really am. And that's so helpful for all you do for a job, practically speaking, and of course, for your relationships. So, but I love how you remind our audience, like these instincts can change the way it looks. You said you're not that gregarious too, that everyone sort of expects.
1: Right. Exactly. When I read a lot of the general descriptions, when I was first learning about the Enneagram, I was like, you know, the two didn't really resonate with me super heavily, a little like parts mm-hmm. of it did, but overall I was just like, no. And then I read the nine. I was like, that sounds a little bit more like me. I'm a little bit more reserved and, mm-hmm. and quiet and I'm not, you know, super gregarious and expressive and stuff. And so I was like, well, th- that seems to fit. I'm going to go with it, even though it didn't feel 100%. And it really took really diving in deep and talking with a lot of experts on it and learning a lot more about the Enneagram, um, both before and with my work with Truity that helped mm-hmm. me kind of get to my best fit type.
0: Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you did. And just hearing about how you're a content creator too, I can see how the, uh, the heart of wanting to know is part of your two. And then you're introverting as part of your research. I noticed that you're also an INF. Is it INFJ? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And then, uh, also the fact that the nine part of you, I think nines are so good at knowing the culture around them, uh, and just so good at seeing what's happening. And so just looking mm-hmm. at Megan's articles, and I hope you guys will be checking them out. She really helps us to just understand our culture. In fact, my family was just having dinner last night and enjoying your article about what generation you're from.
1: Oh yeah. That was our, our recent test. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, had fun with that. Yeah. I'm I'm definitely someone who's very interested in research and data, but I'm not a super like numbers kind of analytical mm-hmm. person. I really like being able to translate that to kind of layman's terms and ways that resonate with people, you know, that are interested in what's like the meaning of this. Why is this important to me? You know, I don't really care about looking at the numbers, but what am I getting from this? And that's what I get to do a lot of in my work with Truity that I really enjoy.
0: Oh that's beautiful. I love pairing that uh you know statistics with with the heart. That's the favorite math I I like anyway because I'm like it's the one that's relational so how beautiful yeah. you can bring your heart for relationships in yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, today we're so grateful and thankful that we get to delve into something very practical for us also with just noticing how we're uh, looking at income with each of the types. And we know there's bell curves and nuances, but interestingly, you guys just did a relationship study that got mass news headlines all over the world because you found something out very interesting about Enneagram types. Can you tell us more about that?
1: Yeah. So we ran a study, um, just published the results about a month ago. Um, and basically what we found is that there is a really large discrepancy between the highest earning Enneagram type um, as self-reported by, by the survey participants and the lowest. There's about $35,000 a year difference mm-hmm. um, between highest earners, which happened to be threes and the lowest uh, self-reported earners, which happened to be fours. What we also found in the survey was that uh, the type three and the type eight tend to be the most likely to hold director or executive level positions. Probably not a big surprise for for those of us who are familiar with threes and eights, um, but that came through in the data as well. So that kind of idea that we have or what we might suspect did seem to be true Mm
0: -hmm. based on the
1: information that we received.
0: Mm, That is fascinating and right before I saw those right yeah right before I saw those results we had this pianist this world famous pianist come on Paul Cardall and he said I'm an Enneagram four but the only reason I've made money is because of my three and eight traits and then you guys Mm. shared that and I was like oh my gosh he totally knows
1: himself wow yeah (laughs) right yeah yeah leaning into that three and that eight
0: uh, and it just helps me to feel like with all of us, like maybe even if you're not in the three and eight space, uh, you might even feel like I'm going to lean in a bit, just like you're here a two and that's your main gifting, but you're also leaning into some nine, which mm-hmm. is why I love your test at Truity because you guys do a pie chart, right? Yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we'll show you where, like what your top, uh, your your top types are. So -hmm. it's not so much like this is your type and this is your wing. It's like, this is your, what you're testing as your top type, but then maybe your second is actually, you know, a nine that's what you're reporting on the test. Um, Mm -hmm. so that's what you can get on the Truity test. Yeah.
0: Mm, I love that. And I I hear you saying to keep grappling, keep having conversations around it so many people can give their identity away just by taking a test and you're saying, let us grapple with you. Don't, don't take it as, you know, it has to be that if you were 90% this type and 85, this one, that it might not be reversed. Right. Cause you know yourself perhaps better than the test.
1: Absolutely. And I've done a few workshops with, um, with businesses and teams and that sort of thing. And that's what I always say as mm-hmm. well as, you know, Look at this as kind of a guide for you, mm-hmm. but continue diving in on your own and figure out for yourself what makes the most sense. And most of the time, it's probably going to be that that top type is your type. But mm-hmm. when you dig into it, it might be like me, where I thought I was a nine, and it turns mm-hmm. out I was actually a two. And um, that's because I resonate a lot with both of those types. And so mm-hmm. it really helps to, you know, again, just continuing to take in information and learn and talk to other people and um, figure it out for yourself.
0: Yeah good reminder and i love that you have that free version um now tell us when we think about the 3 and the 8 in the 4 why are you guys over there uh hypothesizing you said some of us know the 3 and the 8 but tell us a little bit more about like why do we feel like those types are more likely to and and do make higher income
1: yeah well i think there's a couple of reasons i think with threes in particular so Threes mm-hmm. reported earning about eight thousand more a year on average than eights. Um, eights were the second highest earners, but threes were still s- pretty significantly higher. They earn um, the average was reported about ninety thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so threes are very motivated, you know, by external rewards and and that mm-hmm. sort of thing, and so they're very you know driven to climbing the ladder, earning higher income, seeking that promotion, those things are extremely motivating for them. And so they fit in really well with that kind of corporate culture that rewards that kind of behavior, right? Um, The other thing to consider is that a lot of corporate culture is very driven kind of by that three and that eight uh, Mm -hmm. motivations. So, Mm -hmm. and you'll even see this when I do workshops, a lot of times, if it's a corporate team majority of people on the team are going to be three threes or eights right Mm -hmm. unless maybe it's something like you know a quality control team might be more sixes or you know editors might be more ones or something but for the most part a lot of teams have a lot of threes and eights and so that culture kind of forms around those personality types and then is rewarded you know those types are the ones that are rewarded and so it's kind of the internal and the external factors are just kind of the perfect storm, especially in corporate America, that really kind of rewards threes and eights in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. Of course, this is not a, just I don't want to generalize and say this is true for everyone, of course, you know, because any type can be extremely successful in the workplace. Um, And so that's something that's important to remember. Mm -hmm. It's also important to remember that there's a number of other factors and socioeconomic factors that can impact someone's income. And we shouldn't look at the Enneagram as like the end all, be all when it comes to your earning potential. Um, this is just what we found looking at the data. So, yeah. Oh my gosh. You couldn't have said that better. Like, this is so
0: important for everyone listening to know both that you can make different, uh, you know, stories than just your Enneagram number, as right. well as you become can become more expansive. And you're also reminding everybody, you can also look at all the other factors. I mean, you have such a story just because you're you and your own part of the world and uh, and in your own generation. And so I'm grateful you're reminding us of that, but, but you're just saying, Hey, these people are in the corporate world and they are assertive types, independent types. They're making their way out there. Um, And so if other types want to take on some of those traits, um, Maybe you can tell us what they might be trying to do, even in terms of like you also say Myers-Briggs and uh, the big five that sometimes you just know you probably see some correlations like what are the traits if people
1: want to pick it
0: up a little bit and say, I want to put on my three and my eight more.
1: Right. Um, Well, you mentioned the Myers-Briggs. Truity actually did a study back in 2019 that looked at Myers-Briggs and income. And we found some pretty interesting results there too. Like the ENTJ and the ESTJ were the highest earners by far. And I think INFPs and maybe ISFPs were the lower earners. Um, And you can kind of pull similar findings from that study and the the Enneagram study, um, when we're thinking about, you know, what does this mean for us in the workplace? What do these types have in common? Um, Enneagram threes and Enneagram eights, just like ENTJs and ESTJs, they tend to be more confident types, more assertive types, um, perhaps more decisive threes are going to be more, maybe people focused and charismatic, and they're going to be able to kind of use that as leverage. Whereas eights are going to be very, you know, action oriented and, um, decisive. And so when we think about traditional leadership skills in the workplace, these are the skills that we think of. Mm-hmm. Um, so other types can really kind of look to them and, and threes and eights are extremely inspirational mm-hmm. people. I, I think at least, yeah, I <laughs> you know, I, I think the threes and the eights in my life are very inspirational, um, especially when you're thinking about like wanting to grow your confidence or your charisma um, or your decisiveness. And so I think those are really some of the skills that can be leaned into a little bit more at the same time. You need to ask yourself, you know, how can I do this in a way that's authentic to me? Because if it feels, really inauthentic to you, um, yeah. or you're trying to be someone you're not, then you're not going to be happy <laughs> right. at your job. So you got to consider that factor as well.
0: Mm. Isn't that true? I know that my type four, the lowest, you know, quota earner, uh, mm-hmm. said, and, and you guys just heard me say that Paul Cardall is not in that camp because he leans on his three and his eight, even though he's a four. But um, She's like, money isn't important to me at all. And she's graduated high school and she's just in that space of like the idealism of it. And so I think sometimes there's even seasons of life where you're like, I am content with this and I want very small things and she might be that way her whole life or- Sometimes people may ebb and flow, I would imagine with the generations they're in and say, you know what, I, I am a four, but, or I am, uh, I think five was maybe one of the lower earners as well, uh, statistically and just, but I want to kick it into gear. Have you guys
1: noticed that across a lifespan? That's an interesting question. Um, so the people we surveyed for this in particular study were between the ages of 26 and 45, and we didn't break it down a lot by age. Um, i would imagine though as we grow and we kind of lean into into our wings or our arrows or these other kind of enneagram energies that we have um you're gonna see maybe more of that you know a four that's like i don't care about money might think differently in 10 or 20 years you know when they Mm -hmm. get into the workplace and they start realizing like okay maybe maybe i do want money or maybe they won't you know it's it's hard to say everyone's different and unique in that way Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I, I can definitely see that kind of changing over time. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think at the same time that it's just a truth that certain types are less motivated by money. Um, and we actually did a, an Enneagram and financial habits study. I think that was back in 2021, Trudy did. Um, and we found that actually twos and nines were the least likely to say they were motivated by money. Um, Mm. out of all the types. And fours also reported not being very motivated by money and also not being very fulfilled by their careers um, out of all the types. And so that was some interesting uh, findings as well.
0: Yeah, that is fascinating. And you're making me think about how we pair up sometimes with people who are opposite in that way and I know you and I have talked well Trudy and I have talked about how there's um a very common pairing with the 8 and the 9 and that's one of the types you said who doesn't care as much about money with the 9 and then the 8 who makes more and so I think oftentimes what we're noticing is there's a, an opposite pairing and so one might be the money earner and the other one isn't does that make sense
1: Absolutely I think that can be the case in a lot of relationships where maybe one person's happy to be like, you know, you, you make the money, I can pursue my passion or what I want. Um, In other circumstances, it might be that, you know, they kind of find balance in each other or they can inspire each other. The eight can maybe inspire the four or the three can inspire the two, you know, to kind of go after things and, and ask for what they want at work. And maybe the two or the four is helping the three and the eight, you know, get more in touch with, you know, their actual, feelings and desires and passions and that kind of thing. And so that can kind of be a beautiful relationship dynamic. Mm, Thank you for reminding
0: us of that. Cause I was going to say that, like, how do people balance with each other? Like these aggressive assertive types, like how can they learn from somebody like you who's relational? And it sounds like you're saying they can you know, appreciate that they're gifted with making money, but remember that life is also about quality even more. So being with people who know how to nurture and not just, you know, run through the rat race or, you know, hurt people. Of course, we would never want a three or an eight to be making money unethically. Um, Do you feel like sometimes these other personalities can sort of
1: soften them? I do. And I think that's a great thing. And I think that's something that personally, I would like to see even more of in workplaces. Cause again, I think so many workplaces are very three and eight heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I mastered in organizational development. So mm-hmm. that I know that things like emotional intelligence and kind of soft skills and people skills are becoming more and more important in workplaces now. And I think that's an amazing thing. Um, because I think that oftentimes when types like twos or nines or fours, represented on teams in the workplace they're often overlooked or those skills that they bring are often overlooked um not in all situations obviously in health helping and service oriented professions that's not the case but i'm talking again more about like business or corporate Mm -hmm. kind of work um and it's because you know the threes and the eights are very action oriented they're like let's be efficient let's be productive let's go after what we want and that's Very inspiring and motivating to an extent, but that also overlooks some of these other really important skills. And so one great thing that the Enneagram can do for work teams, for example, is remind them of the importance of all these other strengths that are may or may not be represented on their team or may or may not be being overlooked on their team.
0: Mm. That is so critical, you guys, because she's reminding you, yes, use this in your relationships, but also bringing your skills about personality into your jobs is so critical because you're right, Megan. I feel like a lot of nines, for instance, get overlooked with their thoughtfulness of others and they're listening to every perspective. And then that eight can get very frustrated and say, "Like, you're not acting as quickly as me. And therefore I feel my vengeance rising up and I'm done with you. And they might miss that they have the beautiful action, but the nine has the beautiful gift of bringing a bit of fun or lightness or even seeing every perspective. And so I think you're right that the culture is richer. Have you noticed that in your organizational development with you, when you use Enneagram that if they can invite more pieces in that it is richer?
1: I think Absolutely. Yeah. The more kind of cognitive diversity and stuff that you have on a team, Mm -hmm. I think the better in in almost Mm -hmm. every case. I think another important factor though is are those different perspectives, those other people that you're bringing in, are they being listened to, heard, as their contribution being considered, or are we just going with the culture of the organization and kind of ignoring things that get in the way of that? Because that can happen too. And again, I, I coach people that, that work in these types of settings of various personality types. And so I know the struggles that they go through too, and, you know, they feel that they're overlooked or they're not being understood or the the problems that they see are not being seen by other people. And that can be very frustrating. So, you know, being in an Enneagram, the Enneagram, you know, sense, uh, you know, minority in terms of how you're thinking about things like that can be very difficult at work because you just don't, maybe you just don't kind of jive with the the world around you. So.
0: Mm, Yeah. Yeah. That's a really great reminder for us. When you say sometimes they just push ahead with the culture that they've already created. And I think that that's a very real stark reality. And I've seen your article recently on uh, discussing uh, some of the negative traits that can show up in work environments. And I'm glad you're reminding us that. Uh, we could choose to stay in those cultures. We could say, okay, I'm pushing ahead because I have this, you know, one line, one track way of thinking and you're saying like the more diversity within uh, your typology and otherwise, the richer the experience for your your whole organization. And I think that we forget that. And I love that your nine
1: gift probably brings that in too, yeah, yeah, for sure. I think you know it's a great point that um, you know, that that it does get kind of overlooked because we just kind of go with the flow or we just get used to things. And even, you know, the fours or the twos or maybe the less represented people in the organization just kind of, especially if they're not really paying attention to their own needs or their own wants, it's kind of like, well, I'll just go with the flow. I'll just kind of do what everyone else is doing. And they might not be happy with it, but they're like, this is just how it is. So I'm going to do it. And where you get stuck and that's where you get in the rut or you start getting burned out and you don't really realize what's going on or why you're not happy or what you need. And um, Mm -hmm. often because of all these different factors that are happening around you. Mm. So,
0: Yeah. And just knowing somebody's a heart type, even if you're like somebody's a two, three or four, they're a heart type, or they're somebody who cares about justice in that eight, nine or one space, or they're such a thinker in that five, six, seven space. For me on my team, that's made a huge difference because we have a couple ones, we have a four, we have a nine, and then myself a seven. We have coaches that are all the different types. And on my local Mm -hmm. therapist team, we also have some twos mixed in and a nine. But what I've really come to learn about For instance, uh, my four that I mentioned is that uh, if I forget the heart aspect of the job and I just reward like a quick verbal praise and I keep using my aggressive, assertive stance to push us forward, I miss an opportunity for relationship on my team. And I I think that, like you said, short term, they can just deflate a little bit and keep kind of plodding on, but long term, Mm -hmm. you're going to miss their beautiful
1: gifts if you don't stop to nurture your people in the way they desire. Yeah. And that's going to impact how you retain people and that kind of stuff as well. I mean, if people don't feel valued um, for their gifts and the strengths that they offer, they're not going to stick around. And for sure that has been my case in the past with other jobs. I'll stay for a year or two and then I'm like, "Mm, I'm going to get out of here because I don't feel like I'm, you know, being appreciated or whatever in this role.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is so life to our listeners. So please know this if you are a business owner that using personality study helps so practically here. And do you um before we end I was going to ask I I definitely want everyone to go uh to your awesome test and and to see this study for themselves but do you recommend another test also just that you love like Big 5 or MBTI for our listeners to really delve into if they want to do some more of this work?
1: Yeah, I mean Well, first of all, I think any personality test is a great way to kind of just increase your self-awareness. So I would definitely recommend diving more into them. Um, My other favorite is probably the Myers and Briggs. Um, Trudy has a version of that called the Type Finder on their site. If you want to check that out, it's a great Myers and Briggs test. Um, The disc is also really good if you just want something that's kind of simple and easy to interpret and easy to apply. It's very practical. So it's a favorite among a lot of um, teams, you know, workplace teams that want to just kind of understand it, you know, personality in a really simple way, and then have some actionable insights that they can take and and kind of work with. Um, And of course, the big five uh, is is great as well. And so Any of those, any of them I would recommend.
0: Okay, I love that, but I love that you're saying Myers and Briggs is one of your absolute favorites otherwise. Uh, but but that you're recommending disc and the big five. And the cool thing is you guys have really
1: shared all of these at Truity, right? Yes, we have all of these on Truity. Um, you can take any of the tests for free. All of them have a full paid report, so you do have to pay to get your full results, but you can get a little snippet mm-hmm. um just after taking the test. And we also have these tests for workplaces. So if you're an HR manager or a team leader or an executive or, you know, whoever you want to have this for your team, we have that available as well.
0: Mm, so helpful. I'm looking forward to sharing that with the team I'm speaking to. And I love that I have that access to that workplace test too. And it's so reasonably priced. So we will put your free test and the paid version is after that. If you guys want to order that up, you can, but we'll put that in the show notes along with uh, your wonderful results here. How can everybody find you in general and your work, Megan?
1: Yeah. Um, so for me, you can just find me on social media. My my name is Megan and Malone on Twitter, Instagram, threads recently. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then Truity, you can look at, look up all of our work. We publish all of our research and a lot of other really good content on our blog just about personality type in general. We use, you know, of course all the different systems. So we're constantly publishing free information, videos, stuff like that on social media and on our website. So you can find us at truity.com um, and then truity labs on Instagram. Twitter, TikTok threads, all, all the above. Oh my gosh. Well,
0: this is so helpful. I love your team. You guys, I see all the Enneagram types represented when I get to uh, talk to your editor in her one space and then Abby in her three space. And I love Samantha in her seven space and Molly the head of it all in her four space. Once again, showing us fours can be major, awesome leaders. (laughs) Yeah. So cool. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Megan. And we are just so grateful. Have such a good day. Thank you, Krista. Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for taking part in this fun episode today. It felt lighter to me just because we were able to talk about some major trends. I have all the desires to go hacking into Myers-Briggs and I try to do these kinds of things on my personal time, but there isn't much of that as you know. So I will be continuing my exploration into the other tests as much as I can and adding those nuances to us here. But in the meantime, just make sure you're taking one thing from today's episode. Put it in your mind right now. What can you bring forth for your family for you for healthy balance what can you learn from those types who are actively really able to make more money but also maybe if that's you what can you learn from the other types who maybe need you to pull them in more with encouragement and support because you know we're all about social outreach here too so we want to balance you taking care of your family you taking care of your marriage and you taking care of your community oh my gosh that's a fulfilling life so anyway thank you guys so much i'll talk to you soon about the collective and make sure you head over to the notes for all Trudy has to offer alright bye bye thank you again for listening with us it was so wonderful to have you I love knowing we're doing this journey together not perfectly but with love grace and hopefully some fun too if you love today's episode make sure you leave us a five star review at apple podcast or spotify so others can find it too visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show as well as anyagramandmarriage.com the instagram Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.